Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 320. How do you figure out the best cruise for you? Yeah, you. No, not you. You. That's the question everyone goes through when picking a Royal Caribbean cruise, and this week, we're looking at how to tackle the prospect of comparing cruises, itineraries, and ships to find the right cruise for you. So let's go through the process and offer some insight in helping you pick that great next Royal Caribbean cruise. Here we go. Picking the right Royal Caribbean cruise may sometimes seem like, especially if you're new to cruising, a gargantuan task. It, there's a lot of considerations, but today I got really, I think about 10 or so tips, guidelines, ways to think about picking your first Royal Caribbean cruise because there's a lot of factors that go into picking one. And the, here's the short answer, by the way, is that you really, it's hard to make a mistake. I would say the only way you can really make a mistake in picking the perfect cruise for you is to do absolutely no research, randomly pick a ship for some arbitrary reason and show up. And even then, you still probably have a decent shot at it because one of the nice things about Royal Caribbean is their entire fleet of ships is designed to be as consistent as possible. Now, in practice, that may not actually be the case, but there is always a little exception here and there. But in reality is whether we're talking about, you know, Brilliance of the Seas or Symphony of the Seas or Anthem of the Seas, there is a lot of carryover between these ships. There's a common core, if I can borrow a term from, from the educational system here, where, you know, there's there's, there, there's a certain constants in the presentation you'll find on Royal Caribbean that makes going from ship to ship simple. And so when we're talking about different ships, it's not a giant leap of logic or understanding between them. There are going to be some significant differences between some of the ships, but anyway, let's not get too far down that, that rabbit hole there as we talk about and 10 tips to help you pick the perfect cruise for you. I think number one, let's start with where do you want to go? I mean, it seems obvious, but some people want to go on a cruise that goes to the Caribbean. Some people want to go on a cruise that goes, uh, no matter where it goes, it goes out of their backyard. You know, perhaps you live in the Northeast or you live in the Gulf area or you're living overseas, you're in Australia, you're in Europe. I mean, depending on where you want to go, Royal Caribbean does serve destinations around the world, right? We've got, you've got cruises to the Caribbean, you've got cruises to Europe, Asia, China, uh, the Pacific region, Alaska, and, and a lot of other destinations as well. So you've really got to figure out, I think, where do you want to go? Now, for a lot of people, and this may be more of a secondary consideration, especially if you're talking about the Caribbean, you don't need to be specific, like, I want to go to this island or that island. More than likely, especially if you're new to cruising, that's not a major consideration for you. Now, obviously, if you're saying, oh, I want to go to Alaska, or I want to go to Europe, or I want to go to, you know, visit Rome, well, you have that in mind. That's great. But it's also okay if you don't have a specific location you want to go to, but I think you could probably rule out some things. This is an example. You might say, I really don't have an idea of where I want to go, but I also know that we ain't flying to Australia. That's just not going to happen. All right, well, you ruled out those cruises, right? Maybe you're going to rule out all overseas cruises for you. Keep that in mind as to, you know, what factors into it. Because again, the goal of this exercise is to narrow down the options to make it easier for you to pick that perfect cruise for you. So where do you want to go is, is a really good starting point. And uh, even if you just eliminate, you know, a couple, you know, sailings that, you know, are, are on the other side of the planet, that's okay. That helps narrow it down a little bit. Now, of course, the other consideration is how long of a cruise do you want to go on, right? Royal Caribbean offers cruises from three nights all the way up until, you know, 14 and even sometimes longer sailings, right? Uh, and 
A lot of this has to deal with not so much what you want to do, but what you can afford to do, right? Whether we're talking about how much vacation time you have, how much money you've got budget-wise in order to spend on your vacation, uh, your, your personal obligations, your professional obligations. There's a lot to consider in there. But again, if you're looking for a, you know, around-the-world cruise, okay, well, Rollercom is not going to help you with that one. But if you are looking for a three-night cruise or a three- or four-night cruise versus a seven or, or nine night cruise, it is going to shift your options quite a bit. And certain Royal Caribbean ships offer shorter sailings. Some ships offer longer sailings. And when it comes to picking how long you want to go, one of the, one of the tips I always give, to, especially to new cruisers is, I know what you're thinking, you're, you're new to cruising. So you're thinking to yourself, man, you know, it's, it seems obvious I should go on a short sailing because I've never been on a cruise before. You know, that way you just in case, right? That way it's a little more like dipping your toe in the water, right? And it seems like that should be the obvious choice, but it's actually the opposite of what you want to do as a new cruiser. Because again, even though those three and four nighters are so tempting for new cruisers, I believe the three and four nighters are best for people that have cruised before. They are for getaways. But if you're new to cruising, you really want to go on like a seven night cruise. And the reason is, or longer, I should say, but seven nights is a really good uh, starting point for first time cruisers because seven night cruises will give you a good mix of port days as well as sea days. And if you're going on a three or four nighter, it goes by so quickly and you really never get a chance to really get, if you will, what cruising is all about. When you have a seven night cruise, you get a good mix of those sea days and port days. And I think by seven days you will know, okay, this is how I like to cruise. And there's no way to know how you like to cruise until you actually go on a cruise. So I know it seems contradictory, but actually if you're a first time cruiser and I said, how long do you want to you know, go on your cruise for? Don't assume three and four nighters are the way to go for, for people that are new cruisers. I actually recommend six, seven or even eight night cruises on some of the newer ships in the fleet because I really feel like since you don't know how you cruise yet, this will give you the best opportunity to try it out for yourself. Now, the next thing is budget. And you could argue this should have been the first thing we talked about because money makes the world go round, right? And there are prices for Royal Caribbean cruises that will run the gamut of anybody's budget. I mean, there are, you know, there, there are some really lucrative deals that will get you out on a ship for very little. There are some in the middle and there's some expensive options as well. And obviously, depending on not only where you're sailing, the type of stateroom you're going to, uh, what you're looking to do on board the ship, these will all factor into your budget. But you've got to have an honest conversation about your budget to start with. And I, you know, if, if I was actually redoing this episode, I'd probably start with budget first now that I think about it, because I think budget does play such a big role in it. I mean, we could we could answer all these questions that we're going to be talking about in this episode about, you know, what you want to go visit, what you want to do, what type of ship is good for you and all this. But at the end of the day, it's it's all about budget, right? Because otherwise we'd all be sailing in suites and going on these epic sailings. But, you know, the nice thing about Royal Caribbean is it, it has a very good value proposition. And I've often said, people often ask me, Matt, what do I, why do I like Royal Caribbean so much? Why don't I like, a, you know, another cruise line or go on other cruise lines? And really what I tell people is, I really like the, I think Royal Caribbean has a, a great balance of what you pay for versus what you get. And the value of a Royal Caribbean cruise is tremendous because I think it, it provides a lot in the in the cruise. It also gives you the option of, of purchasing other amenities, activities, or add-ons, if you will, that can enhance your cruise. But it, 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 I think at the end of the day, allows you to create your own vacation, if you will, create your own adventure where you get to choose that. And at the end of the day, I think the pricing is pretty darn good for these for these particular cruises. So 
you know, looking at your budget, you've got to have a number in your mind. You don't have to have like, okay, I only spent $732. Like probably you don't have that kind of a budget. You have an idea, right? Are you looking to spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars, tens of thousands of dollars? You know, is this a once in a lifetime vacation that you really want to go all out for? You know, if you're going to Alaska or Europe, there's an argument to be made that perhaps you are willing to spend a little bit more because these are the kind of places in the world where who knows when the next time you'll be able to go over there. And you want to make sure that your vacation there is going to be full of advantage. You don't want to have regrets, right? You don't want to come go there, sit on the ship and have, you know, oh, we went to Rome this summer. Yeah, we went on a cruise to Rome. Oh, what'd you see? Well, we actually just went to the port area and I bought a tchotchke from the gift shop. No, you want to go into Rome and you want to go see the Colosseum and you want to go do all the, you know, all see the sites and and, and do everything not or as much as you can, really. So, again, the the expenses incurred can really vary, right? And you should also know when it comes to budget that the upfront cost, the cruise fare you're paying is part, but not the entire budget looking at your cruise. So if you're saying, okay, man, I've got $2,000 spent on my vacation, don't price out a a cruise fare that will cost you $1,900 because that's fine, but you're going to need to spend more money beyond that, whether it's on shore excursions, beverages, activities, souvenirs, gratuities. These are all things that will add up a little bit. Now, that may not happen a lot. I mean, you can really, you know, not spend a ton of money, but it's fair warning that when we're talking about mass market cruise lines like Royal Caribbean, there's going to be some additional costs that the base cruise fare does not uh, include. So again, budget accordingly and have an idea. Again, you don't have to have a specific number in mind, but you should have a ballpark. So that way you're look. you're not going to, I would hate for you to run into a situation down the line where you realize, oh boy, we're, we're breaking our budget here. And either that means you're scaling back on what you're doing or you're going to create a financial issue for you down the line. So budget's a huge one right there. Have a good idea because a lot of what we're going to talk about, I think, is going to be curtailed by your budget. And if you have no budget, if money's no object in mind, boy, let me tell you about a great blog you should invest in. Matt from RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com here. And, all right, I, I digress. All right, so let's talk also about you know, what are you looking to do on your on your cruise? What kind of a cruiser are you? And this is hard to answer if you've never been on a cruise before. But I think you probably have an idea if I start giving you some scenarios. Like, when you go on your cruise, are you interested in, you know, what's an ideal day for you at sea? In port, you're going to be visiting doing excursions, right? We kind of get that. But let's talk, let's take a step back from that. Let's talk about what your kind of, what's your personality when you're on board a ship? Um, sitting at home right now, close your eyes. Once you're driving, if you're driving, please do not close your eyes. Keep your eyes open <laughs> and then resume this podcast when you get home. But, um, you know, if you have an opportunity where it's safe, close your eyes and think of that. If you were, if it was a C day right now, it's the, it's 10 AM. You got nowhere to be. What is your ideal day? Are you a sleeping in 10 AM? That's, that's, that's still early. I guess I'll have a good couple hours before I should wake up. Are you saying, I would love to go do, I should, by 10 a.m., I should have done seven things already on the ship. By 10 a.m., you want to be out in the pool, enjoying the sun beating down on you, waving to the family as they're enjoying some time in the pool, while you hold a cold pina colada, sipping it slowly, forgetting about all your troubles and cares. Or by 10 a.m., are you looking to you know, uh, spend some quality time with the family? Uh, what is your... What are you looking to get out of your cruise? What really stands out to you? What what drew you to cruises in the first place? And I think that's part of it. And you know, I know I'm going about this a lot was as a first-time cruiser personality, but even if you cruise before, when you're picking the right cruise for you, you've got to figure out to yourself, okay, what am I looking to do 
you know, on this particular sailing. There are some cruises we go on. As an example, when we booked Alaska, we booked it last year and we're going again next year. I know in my mind, this cruise, we're going to Alaska. This is a, not an easy destination to get to for us. We're taking full advantage of it. So, you know, this cruise is about two things, right? It's about when we're in port, we're going from start to finish as hard as possible to see and do everything we can because this is why we're going to Alaska, right? And when we're not in port, when it is a sea day, we're recovering from that because odds are, I know ourselves, we're going to be tired. We're going to need a break from it. We're not going to be able to go do 700 activities on board the ship because we're going to need to take a break, recuperate a little bit, save our strength, our energy to be able to go on the next day back in port and do these fun things. So for us, that's what we're looking to do. Now, on the flip side, if we're doing a three or four night cruise to the Caribbean, you know, we've been there, done that kind of situation. That is, you know, sleep in, take it easy. Uh, you know, at least that's the that's the goal. I also know myself, and this is also a big part of this exercise, is I know my, my, my personality is I very much suffer from FOMO, fear of missing out. Like, even though I know I'm, like, as an example, if I go on Mariner of the Seas, of which I've been on Mariner of the Seas on... I believe five or six sailings this year, right? If I'm so clearly, I've been there, been there, done that. But yet, it still like pains me if I'm in bed at like if I wake up at nine a.m. You know, if I were to roll over and check the time, it's like nine a.m. I would freak out, you know, because I'd be like, oh my god, I'm missing out on my cruise. Like even though I've been there, done that, that's just my personality. Other people are gonna roll over at nine a.m. and be like, nine a.m. Oh my gosh, it's. <laughs> Is, is there light out at 9 a.m.? I should go on back to sleep now. You know, it, there, it's different stories for different folks. But again, you got to know your kind of personality, what you're looking to do. So I don't want to peg this again as unless you're visiting, you know, Europe or Alaska or the South Pacific, there's no reason to, to do anything on their ship. But you have to know what you're looking to do. Uh, how important are activities on board on the ship for you? Are you looking to do a lot? Not so much. It's okay if you don't have a firm answer, again, but have an idea. And again, this will play into picking your ship later on. Another big factor is, of course, the children. And I know this firsthand. Whether or not we bring the kids with us on the cruise factors tremendously into the ship and itinerary we pick. We've been lucky enough to be able to cruise both with our children and without our children. And when we cruise with the kids, there's a bigger consideration in terms of what the ship offers versus when we're not cruising with the kids. Because at the end of the day, my wife and I can certainly enjoy ourselves simply waking up in the morning, going up to the pool deck, and sitting up there and enjoying a day by the pool. The kids, eh, not so much. They can do that for a little bit, but they're looking, obviously, for Adventure Ocean, which is on every single ship. But if we, when they were younger, we had to make sure the ship had a nursery because not all Royal Cream ships do have a nursery. Most do these days. It's a lot easier than it used to be to pick with that. But that is a consideration. So if you if you have kids, don't go on Ma or young, young children and you want the nursery, don't go on and say Majesty of the Seas. Uh, are you looking for water slides? You know, uh, are you looking for uh, bumper cars? You know, Again, how your kids cruise, how old your children are, and what they're looking to do, whether we're talking about you know the, the splash areas like Splash Away Bay, the water slides, uh, uh, kids' pool area. Uh, you know, In general, there's a lot to consider with that, but whether or not you're cruising with kids or not will factor into this. And a lot of people do ask me this question. Say, Matt, I'm cruising with them. I have kids. Is it okay if I go on... You know, I think the you know some of the older ships in the fleet because it makes some sense. Okay, Harmony of the Seas, yeah, it's probably fine for all members of the family. You know, what about Brilliance of the Seas? What about Vision of the Seas? What about Grandeur of the Seas? And the answer is, what about Majesty of the Seas? And the answer is, quite frankly, there all there is not one ship in this fleet I would not recommend. Again, the exception being, of course, if you have really young children, you need a nursery. That's a different issue, and we've talked about that. But if you're talking about you know school age kids here, right, whether they're in first grade or fifth grade 
or or ninth grade, the all the ships will offer something for them to do, right? Obviously, the Oasis class and the Quantum class and even some of the Freedom class ships and the Amplified Voyager class ships will offer a lot to do, a lot more to do for kids than, say, the Radiance class or the Vision class. But that doesn't mean that kids are going to have a bad time on those smaller ships. It's a matter of understanding what it does offer, what it doesn't offer, and knowing your family. Because I can't answer that for you. I can't tell you definitively, yes, this ship is a good fit for your family. No, this ship is not a good fit for your family. It's a matter of understanding what your kids want out of the cruise and how they like to do it. So again, here's an idea. So if you're going on Majesty of the Seas. Majesty of the Seas, by the way, has Splashaway Bay, which is kind of surprising for a lot of people to understand that. It has a pool deck, right? It has a rock climbing wall. Okay, as Adventure Ocean, actually a very large Adventure Ocean area. Is that going to, quote-unquote, be enough? And if you're sitting at home, you might think, well, that's it. Actually, that is a lot of stuff to do there. And going up to the pool and, obviously, meals, you know, that's not nothing. And there's still plenty for them to do. But if your kids are, like, sitting there saying, you know, oh, gee, gee whiz, Dad. Uh, (laughs) Clearly, your kids are from uh, Leave it to Beaver. Um, you know, I would love, sure it would be swell to go on a water slide on this upcoming cruise. I'm ever so fond of those things. Well, you'd be saying, son, we're not going in Majesty of the Seas then, <laughs> for that matter. So, again, you have to kind of know. And, of course, my I mean, kids always have grandiose ideas. But, again, whether or not you bring your kids or not is going to dictate a lot of what you're looking to do and where you're looking to go on this. So, uh, another consideration, of course, is going to be the size of the ship. And, you know, I, I think... The size of the ship does factor too much for a lot of people. If you get hung up on, what do you mean, Allure of the Seas or Harmony of the Seas can accommodate 6,000 passengers? That sounds awful. That sounds like I'm going to be in a sardine can. Well, yeah, there are 6,000 passengers on board, but you're not all doing the same thing at the same time. Ships are not designed to to have 6,000 people at one time. They're, they're designed to have the crowds broken up, right? And by the same token, if you're on a... You know, vision class ship where you're coming up just on shy of about 2,000 passengers, right? Which is uh, th- literally a third of the Oasis class we just talked about. You know, perhaps you're that may or may not be an issue for you. I think the size of the ship is going to offer you certain. It's kind of like it's it's kind of like cars in the sense that if you buy or rent a compact car, it's going to be good on fuel economy. It's going to offer you some basic amenities on there, but you know, if you want to go to IKEA and throw an extra bed in there, it ain't going to happen. You don't have the space for it. By the same token, you get a pickup truck. Well, you got room for that bed now from Ikea, but you also, you know, are going to be, it's a gas guzzler compared to that compact car. That's kind of how you should be looking at the cruise ships and what they offer. When I talk about cruise ships and the size of the ship, I think what you're really talking about is, again, this goes back to activities and amenities on board because, uh, and we've done episodes about the classes of ships, which I would recommend you listen to that episode and or read some blog posts at realcoreanblog.com about it. But, you know, the bigger the ship, the more it's going to offer, right? The nice thing about the newer ships in the fleet, the Oasis, the Quantum class ships, is you're probably getting a full Broadway show. Maybe you're getting Chicago. Maybe you're getting Hairspray. You know, you're getting uh, the Ultimate Abyss slide. You're getting water slides. You're having Central Park or a boardwalk, or you're having the Royal Esplanade versus the Centrum. It, all these things kind of matter into factor into this a little bit. But again, in general, the bigger the ship, the more it offers in terms of dining venues 
entertainment, and of course, activities on board the ship itself. So that should be a consideration, again, into what you're looking to do. I know that when we first started cruising with Royal Caribbean, our first cruise was on Explorer of the Seas. And that was because we lived in the Northeast and the ship was right there. So that made sense. And we were cool with that. But the next ship we picked was Oasis of the Seas. And we picked Oasis of the Seas because back then in 2010, she was not only the largest cruise ship in the world, she was the, she was the big to-do. And we wanted to see what is it like to go on the latest and greatest. So we knew at that time, okay, we wanted to go on the bigger ship in the fleet, right? For other people that may or may not be consideration for you. So again, the the entertainment is a big thing on there. And, then the, and along those lines, we should also talk about the entertainment because when we talk about entertainment, that's a very much an all-encompassing word, right? Because you've got shows, the Broadway shows, the stage performances, comedians. You know, the Waste Class ships actually have a dedicated comedy lounge as opposed to other ships where you'll see comedians or featured performers in the main theater. You've got water slides. You've got activities with the kids, demonstrations, uh, enrichment classes. You know, what it's going to offer is going to vary from ship to ship. And Here's the thing. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, how do I possibly know the difference between what's offered on Mariner of the Seas versus Symphony of the Seas versus Brilliance of the Seas? And the easy way to figure it out is look at a look at a past cruise compass. This activity should probably be done a little closer to your booking decision. Like, go through the other exercises first. But if you've narrowed it down to, okay, well, we know we want to go on either this ship, that ship, or maybe even that ship. Look at a past cruise compass. The cruise compass is the daily newspaper that Royal Caribbean distributes to its guests on board its ships. And what it will, by looking at a past cruise compass, which includes all the activities, entertainment, times, and specials, and everything else in between, is it'll give you a really good idea of what each ship offers you in terms of activities, things to do on board. Because how much you care about entertainment is going to vary depending on what the entertainment is. It's kind of like saying, like, do you want some ice cream? What's your first question? Well, what kind of ice cream do you have? that's kind of like we're talking about, you know, how much do you care about entertainment? Well, what kind of entertainment is there? You know, if there's one or two shows a day and it's, I don't know, ballet, that may not be of interest to you. But if you were saying, oh no, it's actually a full Broadway show and they have a adult comedian on board. Oh, that is interesting. I would love to do those two things. Those are very important to me now, right? Then you've got to figure out, you know, what is of, of interest to you. And a past cruise compass is a really good way to start with that. And again, if you go to realcrimeblog.com in our main menu, we have a link to the cruise compass. And something I think that another factor that is very important here in 2019 is food. Because back in the day, if you went back probably 10 or 20 years ago in, in cruising, the food on, a, on Royal Caribbean was pretty much the same. You'd have the main dining room, you'd have the Windjamere, which is the buffet, and you might have like a chops grill, right? Maybe if you were lucky, you'd go on a ship that also had a Giovanni's table, two specialty restaurants on one. Wow, that's crazy. Well, these days, <laughs> uh, there's a lot more choices to consider. Specialty dining has gone, I think, from a uh, peripheral kind of offering to a integral offering on boarded ships. I often tell people, you don't need to do any specialty dining on board your ship, but for a lot of people, that is an important factor, right? And how important food is to you and the options on board are going to factor into which ship you want. If you want a lot of dining, specialty dining choices in addition to the great complimentary dining, you know, the bigger the ship, the more offerings you're going to have. And, you know, an Oasis class ship, a Quantum class ship, you're going to have a lot of specialty dining uh, included with as an option with your ship, right? Uh, versus if you're going on Empress of the Seas, which only has Chop Skrill, or Majesty of the Seas, which only has Chef's Table, you know, again, that may or may not be a factor for you. Actually, that was a surprise to me when I went on Majesty for the first time that there was no specialty restaurant. It was just, 
you know, you, you had Johnny Rockets, which I always, I know that it is technically especially a restaurant, but I never really counted in the same category as that, or Chef's Table. So we ended up in the main dining room more often than that. Uh, you know, again, this is a very personal decision. And, you know, looking at a past cruise compass will give you an idea of what to expect, but you got to figure out to yourself, okay, you know, how important is food for you and, and, and that case. So, you know, hopefully a lot of this will help you figure out, I think, what you're looking to do. And I think if you answer these questions in today's episode, you know, all these ones I post to you, you should be able to narrow it down to a mere handful of choices. And a lot of times I think it really stands out to you. I think more often than not, when we're talking about Royal Caribbean, we're talking about three primary factors, the ship, where it goes, or price, right? Those three, usually two out of three are going to win out. And the third is just like, well, the two, the first two were more important, right? Either you can only afford something and you really want to go on this type of ship. So the itinerary is not going to be as important to you, or you really want to go to this itinerary. You can only afford this particular price. So the ship you're picking is going to be secondary to those two. Uh, you know, that that's kind of how it works out. But I think that when you're talking about, obviously with those three, that's not the end all be all. So that's why we're talking about things like the food, the entertainment on board, kids, what are you looking to do on board your ship? How long do you want to go for? And all those other questions we talked about. Hopefully this will give you a really good idea of what to expect on your cruise. And, and hopefully it also shares a little bit, it makes the decision a little bit easier for you in picking a great cruise for you and your family. All right, let's answer some of your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I dive into the questions you've sent me to answer right here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. And if you want to send me your emails, you can send it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email today is from Ziva Gunter, who writes, Hi, Matt. Love the site, YouTube videos, and podcasts. So amazingly helpful. After much resistance, my husband finally convinced me to go on a cruise for our honeymoon on Royal Caribbean, and I loved it. We took our second cruise last year also on Royal Caribbean and have another book for Liberty of the Seas in August of next year. Here's my question. We're wondering whether or not to book a cruise on next cruise on the ship is worth it. We both ha hate having to pay large deposits. And I understand that they're smaller when you book it that way. Is that true? Have you used it? And is there a better way to book and get a smaller deposit? Ziva, thank you for the email. So I'm going to answer your question. I get this question quite often, actually, about next cruise and is whether or not it's worth it. Here's the deal with next cruise. There are two primary benefits to booking a Royal Caribbean cruise on board a Royal Caribbean ship. One is the reduced deposit and you're correct about that. And number two is you actually get free onboard credit for booking on board. So the price of the cruise you book, whether you're at home or on board Royal Caribbean ship is the same. There is no difference in the price. The difference is by booking on board, Royal Caribbean will give you some extra onboard credit. Well, that sounds swell. All right. So now Ziba's sitting there thinking, you know what? We're going to go on Liberty of the Seas next August. We'll book a cruise on there. Yeah, well, problem solved, right? Everything's great. Ah, wait a minute. Back up. Here's what I tell people. If you're sitting at home right now and or in your car, you're not on a cruise ship. There's the bottom line. You're not on a cruise ship and you pretty darn sure you, or know you want to book a cruise, book it now. Do not wait to book it on board the ship. But if you're on the ship and you're sitting around and you're listening to this quality podcast episode, that's awesome. Uh, I'm jealous. And second of all, yeah, you should go down the next cruise and book the cruise there. The reason why it's typical not to wait to book on board the ship is because price can change. The price of Royal Caribbean ship will change daily, even hourly I've seen it, where the price will fluctuate. So what you don't, what I would hate for you to do is wait weeks, months, or in this case, maybe even a year to book a cruise, take advantage of the lower deposit and or the extra onboard credit. Meanwhile, if you had booked it back in August, when you were listening to this episode of the podcast, episode 320, you would have been able to save more money. 
Because again, if the price goes up a couple hundred dollars between now and when you book on board your ship and you're getting, you know, 60 bucks or whatever, a hundred dollars on board credit, well, all the benefits have been negated by the price increase. So to answer your question, no, there really isn't any sales these days, not in the last couple of years that I can recall, of there being a reduced deposit sale. It's not really anything Royal Caribbean does anymore. But I think at the end of the day, you want the lowest price you can pay. And my advice is if you're sitting at home now and you want to book, book it now. Use a travel agent, lock in the price. I know the deposits will be a little higher than it would be on board the ship, but that you have more time to pay off the cruise. Uh, and you're gonna lock in the lowest possible price. And of course, if you live in the United States or Australia uh, or a number of countries that allow you to reprice the cruise between now and final payment date without penalty, well then you've got really nothing to lose here, everything to gain by booking it now, locking in that price. So again, I think that's the way to go, Ziva. I hope that answered your question for you. Our next uh, question is from Gene writes, if you book a guaranteed suite category, do you get double crown anchor points towards crown anchor status? The answer is yes, you absolutely do. The only time you do not get double crown and anchor society points for staying in a suite is if you use the Royal Up, the bidding for an upgrade, the stateroom upgrade program. That you do not get it for because you only, you didn't pay for a suite, you paid for the less than a suite category. But if you book a, a, a suite category, uh, guarantee room category, then yes, you will get the double points. Next up, we have an email from Litsa from West Palm Beach. Good morning, this is the podcast. I love them. They are very helpful. I've been at Royal Caribbean with my husband once on 2009 and Majesty of the Seas for a four-day cruise to the Bahamas. After that, we started using Carnival because to us, it was more kid-friendly. My son loved it, but I always want to go back to Royal Caribbean. The food and customer service are way better. We're going on a lure of the seas uh, to Puerto Rico, St. Martin, and Labadee to celebrate my daughter's 21st birthday and my mom's 70th birthday. We're not sure what to do with these ports. We've been once to Puerto Rico. We walked around and had lunch and St. Martin once when we went to the airport and stayed at the beach. You mentioned on episode 269, you could uh, share some information about uh, a driver in St. Martin, uh, but you could also tell me what else can we do in Puerto Rico that is not far, not enough time there, no beach involved and it's interesting. What's the best beach in Labadee or the best thing to do? My son has never div dived, like scuba diving, but he would love to. We want to take him to a safe place to do with professionals where we can where we can do other things because uh, he's the only one doing it. Should we do it with Royal Caribbean or do you know another better way? And do you know any place we can go swimming with dolphins? Thanks for everything. All right, good questions. First of all, I'm glad you're checking out Royal Caribbean again. I think you're gonna find a vast difference, Lisa, going from Majesty of the Seas to Allure of the Seas. You're gonna be blown away, quite frankly. So that's great. All right, so let's start with your questions here. Uh, what else can we do in Puerto Rico? I still think the best thing to do in San Juan, Old San Juan, is to simply walk around. Um, I would advise you that if you're looking for something a little different, first of all, there is the old Spanish forts. I don't know if you did that before. You have El Moro and San Cristobal. Uh, admission into one gets you an admission to the other. And those are easy to get to, easily walkable. Uh, you know, the weird thing about Puerto Rico, San Juan in general, when you're visiting there for the day on a cruise ship, the times have been very odd recently. It seems like they generally get, the, you get like a, like a half day. Like we were just there on Anthem of the season. We were there from like 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Well, you know, first of all, 7 a.m. Ain't nobody waking up. I'm not waking up at 7 a.m. to get off the ship. And second of all, uh, a lot of things don't open until 9 a.m. anyway. So even if you did get off at 7, that's wonderful, but you ain't doing a whole lot between 7 and 9. So, you know, it's kind of reduced time there. So you don't have a ton of options there. Uh, I would tell you that if you're looking for some other things to do, uh, there's a number of resorts in outside of old San Juan, but in new San Juan, or San Juan, I don't know what you call the difference, but not old San Juan, the other area called Condado Beach which has a number of resorts. You can usually get a day pass over there and just, it's not very far. In fact, it's less, I mean, it's not even a 30 minute drive out there. You know, you take a taxi, 
there's a number of places you can resorts you can rent from. Uh, I would suggest maybe resortforaday.com or shoreexcursionnear.com. Um, now you mentioned no beach involved and it's interesting. So as I read that again, there goes that idea. If you're not doing the beach, you're probably just talking about old San Juan here. I mean, you could probably go to like a mall. I don't know that that'd be that quite that interesting. There is a Bacardi rum factory tour, which I do not recommend. I'm only mentioning that because people ask me that every so often. I don't recommend the Bacardi rum factory tour. Uh, it is just a, it's a giant commercial, which I get it. I mean, it, it's their factory, but there's no insight into actually how rum is made. It's just simply a, it, it, it's, it's almost like a Simpsons level Duff Brewery type thing where all they do is just constantly bombard you with like, hey, wouldn't it be great to have some Bacardi rum right now? Like it's, it was awful. I did that once, never do that again. And, and so really when you're talking about old San Juan, uh, it, if I were you, I would simply do maybe look at a at a walking tour, a Segway tour, uh, something that allows you to see the area but have a guided aspect to it. Perhaps the best thing to do. In terms of Labadee, uh, I would tell you the the ideal beach to go to is uh, Columbus Cove or Nellie's Beach. Both are easy to get to. I think they are the most comfortable beach to visit and less crowded than some other spots there. So that's where I would go. In terms of your son having never div dived, I don't know, divin, that's not a word, dived, Labadee is not the place to do that. I would say St. Martin is the place to do that. Um, I think that's probably your best bet. And I would go through Royal Caribbean. When it comes to uh, the the options they have there, I mean, we did an episode actually not too long ago with my good friend John Bamber on here about diving, and he recommended a really great choice. This was, he was doing Western Caribbean, so maybe different for you, but look for an option where you can, where your son can practice a little bit in the pool of Royal Caribbean. And then when they get to a particular port, whether it is St. Martin or Puerto Rico, you'll have the option to then do a dive for realsies and be able to, uh, or, you know, it works towards your certification. That's how I would do that. Uh, for swimming with dolphins, neither Puerto Rico, St. Martin, or Labadee are well known for that. I would say the ones that have the best reputation for swimming with dolphins are um, Nassau, Bahamas, as well as Cozumel, Mexico. Uh, I would go through Royal Caribbean. I mean, either you see them there, or you don't. Again, you can also look at a website like Shore Excursioneer, um, but I don't know of much else that I could really recommend. I have I don't have any personal experience with this, so I'm just going off really reputation more than anything. And when it comes down to when I go to any port that I've never been to and I'm looking for something to do that I don't have experience with, I'm doing exactly what I'm recommending to you guys. I will go to Royal Caribbean's website first, go to the cruise planner, see what they have there. I'll then go to like a website like Trip uh, TripAdvisor and see what, you know, best things to do in St. Martin in San Juan and look for those options. I mean, there are going to be options there. I'm, I'm, I'd be shocked if there wasn't a swim with dolphins option, either St. Martin or somewhere in and around San Juan, but they may not be the best choices for you uh, in order what you're going to do there. So I'm just trying to, you know, give you the best possible uh, outlook there for that. But thanks for the email. Appreciate that. We have our next email and it is from Gene Alex. Hope I announced that right. Just wondering how crazy in your experience is Independence of the Seas in February. I'm already booked with my wife, six and three year old kids. Thanks from a nervous first timer. Don't worry at all, brother. This is a, don't worry at all. I get this question a lot, usually actually about the larger ships in the fleet, the Oasis class ships, right? How busy is it going to be? Number one thing to understand. Actually, this, someone asked me in Facebook Live the other day, I said, Matt, I'm going on blank of the seas. Doesn't matter which ship it was. The ship is sold out. How crazy is it going to be? And I tell people, well, first of all, like they always sell out. If you're on a ship that does not sell out, that means there's probably only like two or three rooms left that haven't sold. These days, Royal Cream ships sell full. So that's a, don't worry about that. Number two, 
the ships are designed to accommodate the crowds. I mean, it's it's not going to be, you're all not all doing the same thing at the same time. And I would tell you, Gene, in your situation, uh, that you're looking at Independence. These are fabulous ship, by the way. And uh, it's not gonna be crazy. I mean, I don't know what you mean by crazy. I'm assuming you mean like a, you know, feeling like you're salmon swimming upstream and uh, it's spring break and people, you know, uh, twirling shirts above their heads and, and loud music blaring. No, this is Royal Caribbean. You're gonna get, it's a family cruise line. Now, I'm not sure when you're going in February because there is a giant difference in crowds between, you know, President's Week, the last two weeks of February, which a lot of schools have off for, versus the first two weeks in February, which like nobody has off for. Um, that's gonna vary a little bit, but that's really gonna mean, are you gonna have more kids or less kids on your, more families, less families, on the sailings, but it's not gonna be crazy. All it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think you and your your kids are gonna love it. Uh, it's a fabulous ship. Independence is wonderful. I would not worry about it at all. It is. Uh, I, I think one of the great things about Royal Caribbean is you know they they've been there, done that, and it is a there's a plan in place, and they can definitely take care of everybody on board. And I don't think you're gonna find it overwhelming or super crazy by any stretch of the imagination. We have time for another email or two, and this one is from Catriona. Oh man, I mispronounced that one, I'm sorry. Uh, I've watched most of your blogs, love your energy. You helped me prepare so much and give me lots of tips, thank you so much. My husband and I are 25 years married this September, congratulations, heading on our first Royal Caribbean cruise and we're so looking forward to it, sailing on Harmony of the Seas. Quick question for you, when visiting Coco Key, would you recommend the Swimming with Pigs tour? Hoping you get this email and perhaps a shout out to myself and my husband, Mark, from the green fields of Ireland on your next live Monday blog. Well, uh, thanks for sending this in. And by the way, we are live every Monday on YouTube. If you want to check us out over there, our YouTube channel name is Royal Caribbean Blog, just one word, easy to find. And we're live every Monday, usually Monday night, like around 8 p.m. Eastern time. So come say hello to me as well. So, uh, so we with Pig's Tour. Uh, I would tell you, I've never done it before. I've only heard other people mention it and most people generally have pretty good things to say about it. I think one person got bit by a pig on there. Um, I mean, look, they are wild pigs. It's going to happen, but not that they were eaten by it. Just, you know, oops, a little nibble. Um, I would tell you that if you had the choice, I think the Swimming with Pigs tour in uh, in Nassau is the superior one. I will also point out, that as of the recording of this episode, after Hurricane Dorian went through the area a couple weeks ago, and I know that when I was on Mariner of the Seas a week ago from the recording of this episode, the Swimming with Pigs tour was not operational because, again, there was a lot of damage to the Bahamas. So... A, check with your sailing to make sure it's still offered there. And B, if you do have the option, I would probably tell you do it in NASA for two reasons. Number one, uh, it's still offered in NASA. Number two, take advantage of Perfect Day Coco Key. Don't waste your time there off the island. Do stuff on the island. That's the whole point of it is it's an incredible spot. You know, whether you're going to the water park or hanging by the beach or going to the Oasis Lagoon pool, take advantage of everything that you have to, to enjoy at Coco Key. And you can still do the Swimming with the Pigs tour when you're in NASA, again, assuming that the option is still available for you. So good email there. And our last email is from Dina Denslow. Hi, Matt, I have a question about our trip. We're going on our first cruise next spring on Liberty of the Seas. My question is, are three ports, Roatan, Honduras, Costa Maya, and Cozumel, isn't that four ports? <laughs> oh no, Roatan, Honduras. Okay, never mind. I can't read. Roatan, Costa Maya, Cozumel. I've heard conflicting stories on whether or not you can eat the food in ports or is it unsafe. I'm always under the impression you can't drink the water in Mexico, but wouldn't they use the water when they wash the fruit, cook with also any information would be helpful. All right, Dean, I get this question a lot too. It is perfectly safe to eat the food in Roatan, Costa Maya, or Cozumel. This unfortunately is a stereotype perpetuated by people who are 
quite frankly ignorant of what Mexico is and what it has to offer. Would I recommend you take a hose uh, from somebody's yard in Mexico and start drinking the water? No. Would I recommend you do that in the United States? No, I don't think it's a good idea. The food is perfectly safe to do. First of all, when you cook with food, you're, you know, again, not to get into basic um, science here, but you, the water boils, it kills off bacteria, blah, blah, blah. Number two, I have eaten the food in all these ports number like time and time I, dozens of times i'm still here to tell you the tale of all this number three it's perfectly safe i wouldn't recommend getting tap water but in all these ports i go to they use uh you know bottled water and it's perfectly safe now i understand what you're okay well, you get fruit well they wash the fruit with water they're not boiling that water what about that i this is matt speaking now okay so i've, I've tried to share with you as much objective scientific information as i can so now i'm going to begin my personal beliefs slash opinions slash absolutely no scientific research behind it, but you're gonna be fine. <laughs> it's fine. You're not, odds are you're not going to die from it. You're not gonna get sick from it. Montezuma's Revenge, I think, is something that was perpetuated years ago. There's probably some truth to it, but we're talking about tourist areas, right? Cozumel, Costa Maya, Ro by the way, Rotan is even in Mexico, it's in Honduras, but I digress. These are areas that deal with tourists, right? It is in their very best interest to ensure their customers do not get sick because they want more customers to come back again and again and again and again. So as long as you're going to a reputable area, as long as you're going, you'll be fine. I, I've been everywhere in Cozumel. I've been everywhere in a lot of different places in Costa Maya. I've been a couple places in Roatan. No issues at all. And Dina, I'm not, I'm not lashing out at you by any means. I am simply, uh, I'm lashing out at the at the untold masses that perpetuate these rumors and stereotypes and, and questions, and it's okay to have the question. But I'm here to tell you it's perfectly fine. Odds are you're, you'll be okay. Uh, you're more likely probably to get sick at Chipotle here in the United States based on some recent news stories I've seen rather than having a taco or burrito in Mexico. I gotta be honest with you, I think you'll be fine. I've certainly, I don't even think twice about it. Funny story, Dana, real, real quick. When we were on our honeymoon, no, it wasn't a honeymoon cruise. Sorry, it was uh, Oasis of the Seas. That Oasis cruise I talked about earlier in this episode. Went to Oasis of the Seas. My wife and I, my wife was pregnant at the time. And of course we knew, well, don't drink the water in Mexico, right? Because, you know, my risk here, right? Okay, that makes sense. And so we're walking around Mexico and uh, we were in Cozumel and we're walking around doing our thing. And uh, my, just my wife and I, and we walk in the main square of Cozumel and there is a vendor selling um Snow cones, I'm like, man, it was hot out. Snow cones sounds like a great idea. So we got out of the snow cone, we start eating it, and we're like, wait a minute, this is just frozen water. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, my eight-year-old daughter is pretty darn normal. She talks a lot, but I think that's pretty normal for her age. So <laughs> I think we're okay. And I, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not gonna. I can't promise you anything, but I think you'll be fine for doing it. I certainly would not label it as unsafe to to eat that. I think. Again, to say that the only place you can get sick and uh, eating food is in Mexico is completely un is untrue. People get sick all the time, unfortunately, here in the United States as well. And around the world, um, foodborne sicknesses can occur, but I wouldn't say it is inherently unsafe. That's the bottom line. So uh, I do it, Dina. Take it with what you will as if you feel the same way about it. But I, I think you'd be shortchanging yourself to not enjoy some of the fantastic food they have in, in Mexico. I mean, geez, the guacamole alone. If you do nothing else, then you eat the guacamole. It's amazing. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for sending in your emails and for reading RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.